0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, Today, we're going to continue in our sermon series, looking at a story in Luke's gospel of Jesus heading to Jerusalem. And this is his last recorded encounter before his Passion Week begins. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. It's also printed in your order of worship. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word and it was given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we all, like Zacchaeus, need an encounter with your son Jesus this morning. We need to experience his loving kindness towards us. And we need to be reminded that he is for us and that he desires our good and our flourishing. And God, as we encounter the living word who became flesh, may salvation come to the places in our lives where we most need restoration, renewal, and rest. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my dad is uh, retired and his retirement hobby is buying and selling valuables he finds at flea markets and estate sales. And actually, he's pretty good at it. I don't know if you've ever seen the show American Pickers on the History Channel, but my dad has an eye like one of the guys on the show. He can look at a house full of stuff He can pick out the $100 thing that a collector will buy for $1,000. So in his neighborhood and his church community, he is known as the person who can help you find a deal on just about anything. And when he hears about a family who's down on their luck, who has a major appliance that is broken down, somehow he's able to find them one that's like new for a fraction of the price. And whenever we go visit my parents in California and my kids needed a bike or a stroller, my dad would find deals on two or three fancy options. We would take our pick, would use them for the week. And then as we were heading out, he'd put them up for sale and have them sold before we got off the plane. He delights in finding treasures that are hidden in plain sight. The stuff that everyone else missed because they assumed it was worthless. He swoops in, he scoops it up, he fixes it up, and he finds the person who has eyes to know what it's worth. Now, you don't have to read very far in Luke's gospel to see that Jesus has this kind of eye for people. Jesus looks at people who everyone else calls worthless, and he sees a, pres- a, pr- a pres- priceless treasure worth restoring. And Exhibit A is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a remarkably unlikable man. He was a Jew who took a job as a tax collector for the Romans and Luke says he was not only a tax collector but he was a chief tax collector. And so he was considered a traitor because he made his fortune by having his collectors who worked under him squeeze money out of his Jewish neighbors, padding his own pockets, with whatever he could get above what he owed to Rome. He colluded with the enemy to profit off the oppression of his own people. Now this meant that Zacchaeus was a man who didn't truly belong anywhere. He wasn't Roman, and so his bosses saw him as one of their chumps from a backwater province, useful but replaceable. His fellow Jews saw him as a sellout who traded a full belly for belonging. Now, we can understand a few of the benefits of this kind of life. Lots of money and power. But that's about it. There is no dignity, no honor, no meaningfulness, and there is profound isolation. So I think it's worth in this moment to just pause and ask ourselves the question, who chooses a job like this? Who chooses a job like this? I think one of the only reasons that someone could is because they have already given up on their God-given desire for belonging, for love, for connection. Villains don't just wake up as villains. There is always a backstory. To some extent, Zacchaeus must have had a life that was devoid of the things that he was made for. Long before he embraced his role as the chief tax collector. His idolatry grew in the soil of his pain and his heartache. And if we're honest, money and power are pretty good distractions from grief and loneliness. So as our passage begins, Jesus is passing through Jericho and the crowds are flocking to him. And Luke says that Zacchaeus was also there because he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now the problem is, is that Zacchaeus is short. In fact, he must have been really short because he is the only person whose shortness is mentioned in all of Scripture. We're told that Zacchaeus couldn't see over the heads of the others in the crowd due to his height. So what does he do? He runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs a tree. Now this may may not mean much to you and me, but in the first century, in Jesus' culture, grown free men did not run, much less climb a tree. Slaves ran when their masters told them to. Children ran, but they had no status. And so a rich businessman running and shimmering up a tree to get a better view is maybe like the reoccurring nightmare of showing up at school or at work realizing that you forgot to put pants on. It's shameful. It's humiliating. It's what people are going to think about from now on when they see you. And I think his running is our first evidence that Zacchaeus has decided that what he has traded his life for, money and power, aren't enough. They're not enough anymore. This is a man who is wearing his hunger on his sleeves. He had turned off the spout of desire for love and belonging a long, long time ago, but something about Jesus gives him hope. And likely he would have heard the story of how Levi, the tax collector, had walked away from his booth as a tax collector to join Jesus' inner circle. And surely Zacchaeus had heard the rumors, right? That that Jesus eats with sinners. But what does a man who raises the dead and then enjoys the company of prostitutes and traitors look like. Here is where we find Zacchaeus. Up in a tree as Jesus is about to pass by. Now Jesus is pressed on all sides by people who want to see him, touch him, get his attention. But to the complete astonishment of the crowd and Zacchaeus, Jesus stops under the tree and he looks up and he speaks to him as if Jesus had expected him to be there all along. Jesus must have had to shout to be heard over the commotion of the crowd. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I I must stay at your house today. And this man doesn't hesitate For a moment, he hurried down, and Luke tells us that he received Jesus joyfully. And immediately, a grumble begins to spread throughout the crowd, just as the elder brother grumbled in the parable of the prodigal son. The crowd who had just praised God in the story previously, when they saw Jesus give sight to the blind beggar, cannot bring themselves to rejoice when Jesus offers soul-healing restoration to someone who has harmed them. They are deeply offended. And they mutter resentfully about Jesus. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Because they are sure in their hearts that Zacchaeus doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve grace. Now, in contrast to Zacchaeus, just a few stories earlier, a rich young ruler sought Jesus out and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And the text says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him and said, You lack one thing. Sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and then come follow me. This man was very rich and he walked away from Jesus terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he was not about to let them go. Now to paraphrase what Jesus says as he walks away, how hard it is for those whose hands are full to receive the goodness of the kingdom. But old Zacchaeus here, He knows in his bones that a home with Jesus is priceless in comparison to all the treasures that he had spent his life hoarding. Jesus is offering him everything that he was starving for. He is offering him a place in his family, belonging in the kingdom, friendship with the king. And so Zacchaeus just instantly and spontaneously flings open his hands. Even as the crowd grumbles, Zacchaeus stands before Jesus and says, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Here's a man who needs no prompting. And when the crowd can't see it, or let me just say it this way, when the crowd refuses to see the miracle before them, a camel going through the eye of a needle, the impossible happened, rich, conniving Zacchaeus' heart had turned from stone to flesh. And he turned his back on his dead-end life to enter into friendship with Jesus. It was exactly the thing that the rich young ruler could not and was not willing to do. Zacchaeus was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now he is found. He was blind and now he sees. And in this moment, the love of Jesus creates a different kind of prodigal son. Jesus' extravagant love creates an extravagant son who gives generously because he has received generously. And Jesus says, this is exactly why I came. To seek and to save the lost. Now when I think about where we can find ourselves in this story, And what it means for people like you and me. There is a recent movie that comes to mind. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's the movie Cyrano, starring the actor Peter Dinklage. Uh, Dinklage has a form of dwarfism. So, like Zacchaeus, he is very short. And uh, you might know him from the movie Elf, uh, as the guy Buddy calls an angry elf. You also might know him as one of the main characters from Game of Thrones. Now, Cyrano is based on a 150-year-old play about a brilliant man who is a celebrated poet and a master sword fighter who nonetheless believes that the woman he loves will never, never love him back because of his physical appearance. Now, in the play, he has a remarkably large nose, and despite his fame and extraordinary talent, he tragically believes that his ugly nose prevents him from ever being loved. But in the movie, instead of a large nose, Peter Dinklage plays Cyrano as a man who believes that he will never be loved because of his dwarfism. Now, in an interview about the film, Dinklage said that the point of the retelling is that anybody could play Cyrano. He said... I happen to have a physical difference that helps me relate to the characters in terms of feeling unworthy of love, unworthy of being chosen. But what the movie speaks to is that everybody knows something about that feeling. And I think he's right. Like Cyrano, it may be something about our physical appearance, our bodies, that makes us believe that we are unworthy of love. But just as likely it's something that we carry on the inside that makes us feel unworthy. Maybe it may be because of lies that others have told you about who you are and who you were meant to be. But sometimes it's the shame that we feel over things that we have done or choices that we have made. You know, like Zacchaeus, our idolatry and defenses grow in the soil of our pain and our heartache as well. There are parts of us that we have disowned. Parts that we have agreed are unlovable. And so we work really, really hard to cover those things up with more acceptable, impressive outer shells. And some of us have become hard and prickly and reject others before they can reject us. But church, what if? What if the parts of you that you have disowned, the things that you dislike about yourself are exactly the thing that draws Jesus' compassion, his love, and his care? We tend to think that God loves shiny things, right? Like what the rich young ruler shows off. But what we learn in this story and what we learn as we read through the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus is drawn to the broken thing. The miserable man up in a tree. He is drawn to our brokenness, to our wounding, to the terrible names that have been spoken over us. The parts of ourselves that we and others have cursed. But this is why he came. And like my dad, looking through a house full of dusty, forgotten pieces and finding that one collector's item. Those are the people that Jesus scoops up and tenderly restores. And those times where we ourselves have done, done harm to others because of our wounding. Where we have blunted our longing with addictions to lesser things. Where we have made life choices that are lesser than what we were made for. Church, he rescues and he redeems those things as well. And he does it by inviting himself over to dinner at our house. He joins us in those places of our deepest unbelonging. And it's in this invitation from Jesus into the parts of ourselves that we have very little hope for that we, like Zacchaeus, come alive. He scoops us up and he reveals in us the glory for who we are created to be. And he yokes our worthiness to his so, that there is nothing that God thinks about Jesus that He doesn't think about us too. As the late Eugene Peterson would say, here is the good news that changed Zacchaeus' life that spring day God loves you, He is on your side, He is coming after you, and He is relentless. Church, may we open our hearts, every piece of who we are, to let this good news sink down deep. And may it lead us to cling tightly to Jesus, who restores us to the glory for which we were made. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, as many of us here are seeking to see who Jesus is, Would you meet us in those places of our deepest unbelonging and our brokenness? And would you transform us into men and women who are like Zacchaeus, who give generously as we have received generously? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. together all our riches all our crowns cast we now before Thee, scales remove with chains